In this podcast episode, we look at theories of government in the 17th and 18th centuries. The scientific revolution had its greatest impact in giving birth to new theories of government that were themselves modern. What is the implication of believing that the natural universe is orderly, governed by its own laws, and completely understandable with the use of our reason? Well, the implications are revolutionary. Man, who is a part of nature, must himself be perfect, at least potentially, and he must be equal with all other men, since all men have the one thing that by itself leads to truth, namely reason. Human equality, for the first time, becomes a thing that people believe in, and the idea of original sin, of man's fall, and inevitable failing becomes an idea of the past that people decide to throw in the ash can of history. Now let me digress for a second. What is this thing called reason? Reason is not the same thing as intelligence, which we know is not equal in every man. Reason means common sense, and that is something every man has within his grasp. All men can agree on what is not reasonable, according to this view, because all men have equal reason in equal measure. So consider the fallout of these views on people's opinions on government. The implication is that men can reason out, or figure out, how best to be governed. They do not need leaders like the church or the kings to do the job for them. If everything is natural, then government must be natural too, which means it must have been created by men, not by God, for the rational reason of making life better than it had been in the absence of government. Three men in the 100 years from 1660 to 1760 took these points of view as their starting point and produced the major theories of government of the 17th and 18th centuries. Their names were Thomas Hobbes, John Locke, and Jean-Jacques Rousseau. They were the first modern theorists of government, and they laid the foundations for the American and French revolutions and politics as we moderns understand it. Here is what was new about them and where they all agreed. They all agreed that people, not God, created government when they were in a state of nature, which basically means in a state without government. Further, they agreed that people created government for rational reasons to make life better for themselves. Beyond that, however, they disagreed, and their disagreements shaped the future revolutions of the 18th century profoundly. Hobbes was an Englishman, and he was first in 1651 with his book Leviathan. A Leviathan is an enormous machine or animal with immense power. Hobbes used that image as a metaphor for government, or more particularly, the king. He believed government 
had absolute power and should have absolute power and could not be messed with by the people or by a legislature. But why would it have absolute power if it was created by people to make their lives better, as Hobbes also believed? The answer is because the people were so lawless and so at war with themselves in a state of nature that they knew only an absolute government would be strong enough to keep people from tearing each other apart. So that's the kind of government they created, an absolute monarchy. As Hobbes wrote, in the state of nature without government, you had, in his words, a war of every man against every man, and the life of man was solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. That was a very famous phrase of Hobbes. Hobbes had opposed the English Civil War that had overthrown Charles I in 1649, and this was his theory on why Parliament was wrong in overthrowing the king. But notice that Hobbes understood that people would not be swayed by the old, tired argument that God was on Charles' side. No, he said God did not create the government. The people did. The people had signed a contract with the king when they created the king in the state of nature, and the contract was that they would not interfere with the king's absolute power because that alone would ensure a world of peace, order, and stability. Parliament had broken the contract, according to this view, by overthrowing Charles I. Nearly 40 years later, John Locke, also an Englishman, presented his own theory. Locke started out much like Hobbes, but then he reached exactly the opposite conclusion. His theory was presented in the article, Two Treatises on Government. Yes, he said, people created government in the state of nature for the rational reason to make their lives better. But here's the thing. To Locke, the state of nature was not so bad, and definitely not a war of every man against every man. Why not? Because, said Locke, all men had reason, and that made them know that they should not tear each other apart, and so they didn't. But if that was so, why create government at all, which would be a limiting factor on the freedom of the people? The answer, says Locke, was that life without government was less convenient than life with a government of modest powers, a government that could certify property rights, for example, which was a source of confusion without government. And the people retained for themselves certain natural rights that were not theirs to give up, even if they wanted to. And these were the rights to life liberty, and property. It followed to Locke that the people had to obey the government as long as it respected those three rights. If the government interfered with any of them, or was about to interfere with any of them, the people had the right of revolution. Of course, Locke was the spiritual father of the American Revolution, his core ideas being included in the Declaration of Independence in 1776 
by the 13 American colonies. But what Locke was trying to do was to defend his own country's revolution of 1689, the Glorious Revolution, as it was called, almost a century before the American Revolution. The third contract theory of government was by Jean-Jacques Rousseau, a Frenchman who presented his ideas in a book called The Social Contract in 1762. This theory would, like the others, start with the state of nature, where the people on their own created government to better their lot in life. So far, so good. But in this theory, Rousseau would circle back to Hobbes's conclusion and argue in favor of the idea that the government had the right to total power over the people. Indeed, he argued that the government could be a much greater Leviathan than Hobbes had ever imagined. Rousseau came to the conclusion that the government could control every fiber of a person's life, not just to make the people as a whole more comfortable, but for any old reason at all. That is called totalitarianism, and it was a form of government that would not exist until Hitler and Stalin created them in the 20th century. But the French would try to create it in the French Revolution of the 1790s. We can thank our lucky stars that our government was created under the influence of the ideas of Locke and not of Rousseau. We will not discuss Rousseau further here, but we'll wait until our discussion of the Enlightenment, of which it forms a part. In your 500-word review of the Age of Absolutism, include 50 to 75 words explaining why Hobbes and Locke would avoid religious arguments for their point of view and insist on the people as the source of government's existence. In those words, be as specific as you can. Until then, happy history musings. <laughs>